The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I'm glad that you're all joining us today. Thank you for listening. It's very uh, glad to have you listening today. We've got a great program, as usual, and uh, we thank you for your participation here with us at Spirit of Recovery. You can always visit us um, on our wall on Facebook, and... uh, we love getting your emails and your comments on the Facebook page, and uh, we're grateful to know that what we're doing is making a difference in your life. So thanks for listening, and thanks for reaching out and letting the people in your recovery community, uh, your unity community, and your other spiritual communities know about the spirit of recovery. Um, uh, it's great to be broadcasting here on the topic of recovery on Unity Online Radio, and that's www.unity.fm. And we want you to know that we always have guests who are down to earth, who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, sometimes all of the above. And our guests uh, have a lot of great information, a lot of great inspiration, and they give you ideas that will open up possibilities for you on your recovery journey. We want you to know also that there are uh, several ways that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery. You can listen, of course, through your computer. You can also listen through your uh, mobile listening device, anything that you've got in that line. And you can also always access Spirit of Recovery on the archives at unity.fm on the Spirit of Recovery page. And so those are probable to you 24-7. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and we know that recovery uh, covers a lot of uh, area, a lot of different uh, perspectives, and so we want you to know that you are welcome here with us. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member, or if you're a family member or friend of somebody that has the disease of addiction, whether or not they're in recovery, or if you're just interested, curious about the recovery process, we welcome you and we welcome your participation here in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister. I'm a recovery counselor. And I'm also a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. So my walk is a combination of recovery principles, 12-step principles, and the unity spiritual principles. And those, uh, all those, that spirituality keeps richly transforming my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. So I am very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share uh, these recovery perspectives with you and to bring you the great guests and the great topics that we have here on the Spirit of Recovery. Today our topic is treating the whole person, breaking the relapse cycle. And my guest is Michael Smith. Michael is the Director of Multimedia Marketing. And he is also a person who is in recovery himself. He's married, and he has a newborn. He's very proud of that new baby. And um, he got into this line of work with 
uh, this long-term treatment center. He's the director of multimedia marketing at Burning Tree Treatment Center, which is a long-term residential treatment program. And he got interested in that because of his own uh, personal journey and because and got interested in this special population, which is people um, who chronically relapse and who no matter, um, maybe they've been to treatment a lot of times, maybe they have been involved with 12-step programs, but somehow it seems like it's not catching on. And so uh, at Burning Tree, uh, they do work with people in a long-term residential setting and people that want to stop and that relapse cycle and want to break that and go forward with their lives. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Michael, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Hey, thanks, Anna. I'm glad to be here. and uh, appreciate you asking me to be on. We're, yeah, we're, we're really glad that you're here. Um, we know that, unfortunately, sometimes the the uh, concept of or the experience of relapse or even chronic relapse can be part of the recovery process. Why is that? Well, you know, I think it's, uh, I think some my mother used to say when I was, I was a kid, practice makes perfect, you know. Um, so I think that you know, trying to conceptualize the tools of recovery for the very first time, um, it can be a difficult thing. Addiction is such a, 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 a an existence of, of of a person's being for so long, and it may, you know, dictate so many different things in their life. Um, and, and so, the idea that uh, overnight they're going to be able to, um, you know, be able to do everything in recovery that that's suggested them by. Um, you know, advisors or programs and such, it, it, it's a hard thing to do uh, immediately uh, once they once they start to get on this journey. There are some people that, that do, uh, but there is a lot that doesn't. Right. What's um, What are some of the things that people do um, find so difficult to change when they get in recovery that, that may be part of that relapse cycle? What's so hard to, what's so hard to do differently? Well, <laughs> it's a great question, Anna. Um, for for each individual, there are different uh, there are different things that are. I, I like to think of them as as symptoms of addiction. Uh, one may be the idea that they can uh, hang out with old friends. It may be the idea that. Um, they can moderate uh, their their drinking. Uh, it may be the idea that, um, that that they can go back to work or they don't have to follow certain protocol. But it really boils down for me, uh, in, in my experience at this, it really boils down to one thing ultimately. And it doesn't matter if you live on Rodeo Drive or you eat in a soup kitchen. Uh, the one thing that people cannot just give up uh, ultimately is self-reliance. Uh, it really boils down to being with the, the critique and the judgment that goes on in, a, in a, especially a chronic relapser's mind is unbelievable. Uh, and so that in itself, uh, that, that's the one thing that, that they need to give up that they just can't seem to give up. But the symptoms of that are all the things that, that I just described to you. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I believe, uh, and in my experience, that it boils really down to that, that one thing uh, is self-reliance. Right. What does um, uh, a, a long-term residential program do, or how do you how do you invite somebody to get off that self-reliance? Well, and there's there's many different uh, modalities that are used to combat self-reliance, and, and ultimately, I, I think also you need to get a person to the point where they're willing to do something different. And, and at first, it may be the treatment program's way, right? It's their way. It's, it's, it's people around you that seem to know better than you do. So initially, it's giving up uh, some ideas about what it will look like for them to, to get clean and sober and what that process will look like. We get so attached to circumstances, external things. Well, I need to get the wife back. I need to get the job back. I need to arrange all the external world to, to fix an internal condition. Um, and so at Burning Tree, what we're able to do and, and we get to do uh, is, is have the length of time to really work on uh, different core issues such as, you know, self-esteem, life skills, 
uh, having uh, we're, we're really we're an incubator for for spiritual experience, but there are some therapeutic things that certain individuals need to, to work on as well. So we try to treat like you, like you said earlier on the subject is treating the, the whole person uh, clinically, spiritually, uh, uh, and, and such. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know that um, you Burning Tree got started because the the vision of the founder, uh, David Elliott, was not able himself to establish long-term sobriety. And um, he thought he wanted to help other people when he finally did get that going. What was, what was it that was so uh, important to him, to why he wanted to get this going? That's a great question, and we take a lot of... Uh pride in, in our owner and his vision and, and things like that. At the same time, David's always been a person who wanted to sit in the background and not be, you know, he never wanted Burning Tree to really be a personality-driven deal. Uh, it's never been his uh, vision in, in that sense, but the, the, what, why he started Burning Tree, one reason was um, he, the place he went to uh, in Arizona uh, shut down uh, back in the 90s, and then he was able and afforded to um, some resources in which he asked God what he what he should do with these resources, and he, he did that for a long time. Uh, and what happened through that was, well, you said you wanted to give that gift back uh, to, that was given to you, why don't you start Burning Tree? Uh, and so he looked all over the state of Texas for a property, and he found one in Kaufman, Texas. He, he, he was thinking southeast uh, Texas, and uh, he founded Burning Tree Ranch at that time. But it, the, the main reason for him starting Burning Tree was because of the experience that he had and how profound it was to him. Um, and, and so he, he declared... Um, that he would like to start treatment center. He made a commitment to do it, and he took the action to achieve it. And so almost, wow, 12 years now, Burning Tree has been in operation. That's fascinating. So he really did uh, practice his spiritual principles. Huh? He, t- he, he asked for guidance, and it sounds like he got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, when you ask, you do receive. <laughs> it may not be as quickly as, as as we'd like or in the way we want it to, but uh, it definitely happens. Uh, that that grace uh, does come to all of us. That's right. Yeah, that's a powerful story. I'm curious in in the midst of all the busyness that happens um, in any business and, and in the treatment center, is there a way that as staff members, you keep that spirituality alive for you all as staff members? That's such a great uh, question, and, and it's a really important because I think it's overlooked in a lot of ways. Here's the thing. When I, when I went down to Burning Tree oh, five, six years ago, I sought them out. I'm, I'm just a, a guy from Maine, uh, and I sought out really uh, Burning Tree uh, in the sense of their mission and all that. And when I, what, what happened when I arrived? was that I went into staffing, and before we started staffing, we were meditating together, right? We were, we were doing, uh, we were reading four agreements. Uh, we, were, we were, so there was a culture there that was uh, recovery-driven. And in our culture today, a lot of our questions that we have to ask ourselves before we ever make decisions is, all right, where am I at on the, on the spiritual axiom? Am I, am I treating my my addiction, my alcoholism, or am I not? And what's, where is this decision being made out of? Is it self? Am I getting consensus from the group? And so we tried to really integrate a lot of, uh, a lot of the spiritual practice. And that was, that was attractive to me, as you can imagine. I've worked in a lot of other settings that, where that uh, did not take place. But, so we're constantly um, you know, looking and examining where we're at uh, spiritually, and what we're doing to to treat that uh, that 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 condition that, that if some of us have that, others, I mean, this is great. There there are staff members that, are, that may not have their own personal recovery, but they work with alcoholics. And Burning Tree's philosophy is, if you're working with alcoholics or addicts, you should go and and check out some some of those twelve step programs. And so, uh, if you, if you work there, we we recommend that you 
go and check that out, even if you don't have your own kind of personal recovery. Uh, and also, we, we deal with a lot of transference and counter transference from clinicians when you're talking long term. As you can imagine, deep, uh, impactful relationships are born, but it's like the, the blessing and the curse at the same time. Sometimes your own stuff can get involved in that. So we're constantly doing supervision, uh, and that is a, another tool to, to treating um, your own stuff, right? Right. Yeah, that's powerful because, right, that – tell us a little bit about that concept of, of transference and countertransference. It's an well, important concept in therapy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was one – I was fortunate enough to when I went to school – uh, to be a counselor was, was my aspiration uh, and my own journey to do that. I, I've gotten involved in other things along the way. That's just kind of where where you're put sometimes and where your path takes you. But I, I very early on uh, when my own schooling, that was brought out very clear. Was, I had such a wonderful opportunity. Uh, the school I went to was, was a community college, which afforded me to have professors that are actually working currently in the field. And so we talked a lot about the appropriate level of care, uh, transference and counter-transference, you know, your own stuff either being projected from the client onto you or your stuff being projected onto the client. In other words, you may treat uh, someone as you, your mother, your father, um, or what you wanted them to do, and, and they may do that to you. And I'll tell you one experience I had in a group process uh, down at Burning Tree where a client really got, um, was really attached to a certain thing. And this counselor at the time read right to it that and had the history right to back it where he, he, he stopped the client uh, and said, I know right now you're, you know, you're viewing me as your father, and this is what you want to say to your father. And he, the client stopped and he started crying and said, exactly what I want to say to my father. And he was able to process that. It was amazing because I, I read so much about this and we practice some of this and you go in and you're like, where am I going to see this happen? And I was able to see a long-term treatment when you're, when you, you get to do that, it, it does, it affords you so many different things as a, as a person, as a clinician. Uh, but to see the, the transference being handled um, in such a professional way was, was mind-boggling. It's like, God, this is the stuff I've been reading about, you know, uh, and I got to see it. And I worked in other, I worked at a nonprofit as a residential counselor for a while, and I never really got to see a lot of that. And, and it was, you know, it wasn't as structured as Burning Tree, but it was also in the realm of more of like a halfway house. Um, so it's it just a, it's a beautiful thing, and, and it's important for not only the clinician to be, uh, aware of that, but also to, to aware of their own, because a lot of times they're not, they, they always look at it in one way as as the client projecting onto them, but they do it as well. So it's uh, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty powerful to see that live in action and in, in the therapeutic interventions that go along with it. Right, that is powerful. Thanks for telling that story because it's that could have been a disaster if that uh, clinician hadn't realized what was going on. He could have just ended up getting mad, and and then you would have had the cat fight or the control, you know, the battle for control. But that's what a, a real professional is: is when they, as you said, and and somebody who's working on themselves and aware of of themselves, then they can use it for that therapeutic moment, and that's what brings the healing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. That's really something. What, tell us a little a bit more about what's uh, what you can do in a long term treatment that you can't really do in in like even a short term, like even a thirty day. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages uh, in long term treatment. You know, the, the things that you're you're able to do and get to do. Uh, especially around, uh, you know, dual diagnosis and co-occurring disorders is amazing because you're, you're, we do, uh, you know, we do psychological testing where we're, we're do, we, we have, you know, psychiatry on board that are also addictionologists, ASAM certified, which is the addiction, uh, you know, American Society of Addiction Medicine. Um, what you're able to do hang is on, just Hang on to that thought. Sorry, I'm going to break yeah. in on you. Sorry, it's our break time, but hold on to that sure. and we'll be right back. So hang out with us. My guest is Michael Smith. Our topic is treating the whole person, breaking the relapse cycle. We'll be back in just a moment. Unity 
Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to tens of thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you have been served by this programming, we invite you to support it by visiting www.unity.fm and clicking on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. My affirmation of faith is, I release and I let go. I release my desire to control people or situations. I let go of fear, worry, and doubt. I trust in divine power, which is infinitely capable of establishing right outcomes. I align myself with this power through prayer and meditation. Opening my mind and heart to the wisdom of the universe, I recall the promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. With this assurance, I find the strength to let go of anything holding me back. Letting go and letting God is a choice. It empowers me to move forward with ease and confidence. It provides me peace of mind and the assurance of divine order. As I let go and let God, I open the door to infinite possibilities. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word Digital Magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. is turning five this year and we're throwing the biggest bash of all a cruise to the caribbean november 10 through 17 2012 we'll celebrate in style aboard holland america lines eurodam with sunshine fine dining and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the eastern caribbean plus feed your spirit with music message and meditation Your favorite hosts will be there, and we hope you will join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, visit www.unity.fm forward slash cruise. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today, and if you're just joining us, our topic is Treating the Whole Person, Breaking the Relapse Cycle, and my guest is Michael Smith. Michael is the Director of Multimedia Marketing at Burning Tree Treatment Center. That's a long-term residential treatment program that works for the very special population of people who uh, have been chronically relapsing and uh, supports them in breaking that relapse cycle. Michael's in recovery himself. He's married. He's got a newborn who he's very proud of. And uh, it's his personal journey um, that has brought him to working with this very special population. And he is an addiction counselor. But before we get back to Michael's uh, talking with Michael, I want to invite you to join me very briefly for a serenity moment, an opportunity to simply relax, to share with me a constructive idea, And open up your mind and your heart to that presence of your higher power. So I invite you to share this idea with me. I'm guided by the wisdom of my higher power. I am guided by the wisdom of my higher power. Thank you, friends, for joining me in that. And I trust that that uh, provided you with a moment of uh, conscious connection, conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it. And so now we're back to talking with my guest, Michael Smith, talking about treating the whole person, breaking the relapse cycle. And Michael, just before the break, you were telling us um, 
some of the things that are different about long-term treatment. But, you know, I'm thinking before that, I really should ask you what you mean by long-term treatment. And nowadays we know that uh, treatments always in flex. There's, the insurance companies are involved. There are all kinds of ways now that people do treatment, inpatient, outpatient, you know, different lengths of time and so on and so forth. So what, do you, what is, in your uh, definition, long-term treatment? Yeah, there there are a lot of things that dictate uh, lengths of stays. Uh, I guess by today's standard, uh, we are ultra long term. Burning tree is in that sense, and in in most traditional long term uh, treatment was you know up to a year really. Um, you know, to today people uh, and families I talk to, you know, think long term is thirty or or, or ninety day. Uh, treatment because we've been pushed back so much to two or three days if you're lucky to, to, to detox because they look at, at it all primarily as, as a medical acuity. So that, that's really where I think a long-term treatment uh, is, is in, you know, more than six months of, of treatment. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the things, uh, as we know, you work with a special population, people that um, do relapse um, chronically. What's different that's happening in long-term treatment that you can't really do in, in one that's 28 days, or as you said, unfortunately, we know that you can't do in three days. What's right. different? Well, mm-hmm. well, going back to what I was saying before, is, is really getting uh, you know the, that medicine right in a lot of ways for, for people, uh, spiritual or, or prescription. You, you have the luxury of time uh, for people to... You know, we, we use the word rehab a lot, and, and that's a term that gets thrown around, rehab, you know, short for rehabilitation. A lot of times for our uh, for chronic relapsers, it's habilitation uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, they have, they have, we get a lot of people that uh, may have not ever held a job or held a job for a period of time, did well for themselves, uh, and, and then have just in the past three or four years or five years, they've, they've just absolutely done nothing but sit in a dark room with a bottle. Um, so there, there's the benefit of habilitation, uh, life skills, you know, the repetitiveness really strengthens and confirms uh, what we do. Uh, you're able to build a therapeutic relationship for a long period of time Uh with, with a client that, that allows you to gain trust, allow them to go to places that they, they may not do on an outpatient basis, basis or a one-on-one. And that's really the, the, the chronic relapser needs that structure uh, and, and long-term for the brain to heal, for the spirit to kick in, and for them to not only have that experience, but take that awakened spirit and, and practice uh, everything that they, they know a lot. Chronic relapsers know. They can say it. Uh, they're charming, uh, and they could go in and teach a class on, on addiction, but they, they've never a- able to really apply it uh, for, for a long period of time. And so um, that's the huge benefit is having the, the experience and then practicing it uh, within that, that environment. Um, and so it affords many different aspects from, you know, medicine and, and spiritual uh, concerns. Right. What are some of the uh, approaches that you use to uh, create that spiritual development in a person? Well, there's there's uh, accountability uh, is one aspect um, that, that structured programming. We do a lot of group process, individual therapy. We um, are, are we do a lot of uh, peer driven groups. Um, which you know obviously uh, are, are sometimes more powerful than than facilitating a group as a clinician. Uh, we also do a lot of um, you know we we have neurofeedback. And we have a lot of other ex- experiential therapies and adjunct therapies that go along with it. Uh, when you're when you're talking about trauma, we we have people that can do EMDR. Uh, we do CBT and DBT, uh, but. But there's a combin- the combination, our eclectic approach is, is so uh, key. And so over a period of time, which going back to the profile of what the chronic relapser is, is they, they think they're going, when they, by the time they get to, to a long-term treatment or the need for long-term treatment, a lot of families don't, it doesn't even, it, 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 it doesn't even compute in their head that there's such a thing or such a place for, for people that 
um, actually kind of know the business. Like they're so bamboozled for so long by their loved one that they, they just can't see, see any other way uh, out of it. Uh, and so they, a lot of times, again, have a lot of information. So we're, we, what we use at Burning Tree that's different also is we allow, we take the approach of what's called, uh, you know, set it, everything aside. It's a set aside prayer. It's a prayer that we, we have uh, our clients really get familiar with. And, and it goes, and I'm going to paraphrase something like this. Please, God, please set aside everything I think I know about treatment, about, you know, 12-step recovery, about my life. Uh, that I may be open-minded and have a new experience with all these things. And so that's a really important piece. When they come to us, uh, they see that, that there's a difference here. Uh, and, and so it, it's the combination of everything that goes along with uh, the awakened spirit. And for different people, it's, it, it's different parts of the program. But we have such a comprehensive approach, and we do it for so long that we're able to touch uh, and a lot of areas that people never knew they needed to or wish they could have uh, done before in a shorter stay. Yeah, one of uh, your catchwords there is that clients come to us asleep dreaming they are awake. Mm. So, wow, that's powerful. Mm. What does that uh, yeah. mean? Yeah, you know, sleep dreaming, thinking we wake, they're, they're functioning in life. Uh, as a, uh, a sleep, spiritually asleep person, because they haven't been spiritually awakened yet. And so we just walk around like we're, we're just functioning in life, but we're so, we're spiritually asleep, which means we are, you know, sleep dreaming, thinking we're awake. We think we're awake, but we're really, we're really asleep spiritually. And so uh, you, you don't uh, wake up from that until you have that, that awakened spirit. Right, and I that set-aside prayer, I love that. Uh, some friends shared that with me several years ago, and yeah. it's great. It's like, and it, it relates to what you were saying earlier in the program today about the self-reliance. That prayer mm. really takes, takes you out of the self-reliance. What do, you, what do you see happening in clients when they start using that prayer? Well, it gives them a different perspective and a different uh, way to look at things. They've got the cookie-cutter kind of approach, and there's nothing wrong with um, kind of streamlined, mainstream uh, approaches. It works for a lot, a lot of people. When you're talking about someone that's been to 5, 10, 15, 20 treatment episodes, uh, 90 days, 30 days, uh, and they, they, they have so much in their mind. Of, they're so attached, like, well, oh, oh we're just going to talk about 12 steps again, and we're going to talk about my childhood again, and we're going to do all this. I've already done all that. And they have all this, again, going back to what we've been discussing, self-reliance, these excuses of how it's all supposed to look and it's supposed to go a certain way. When you give someone that, that prayer and they, they're able to take a look at that and then internalize it, uh, it, it, it gives that shift. It's like, okay, maybe I'm, I'm going to be open just a little bit that this may be different. Um, and, and, and just that in itself, if you're able to get someone to that place, um, it, it can be a very uh, powerful thing for, for them, uh, as well as obviously uh, people around them that, that love them. Right. What does, you do have a family program there, and uh, families of chronic relapsers can get in great amounts of despair. What do you do with families there? That's a great question. Uh, we take a re- we do take a systemic approach to, to treating the family. We get them very early on uh, involved with, uh, we, we have someone appointed to them uh, that specializes in just working with the families as well as the counselors. Here's the, here's the thing that's, that's a lot different from, from families uh, for what we do. They're very limited in their contact with the families. When I say very limited, I mean generally it's about one five-minute phone call a week. And so uh, what I learned very early on uh, in, in working in long-term treatment and, and chronic relapsers is that uh, if the family uh, doesn't have any hope and it doesn't have any trust, they will unwittingly undo in five minutes uh, what it took us five months to do. And that's a quote from, from uh, Geraldine Delaney, who is really the pioneer in long-term treatment uh, up in New Jersey. And so that's, that's really what happened. And by the time they get to us, uh, again, when a chronic relapser themselves gets 
has been to so many different treatment episodes, and they need that set-aside prayer. But, but uh, a lot of times, uh, what, what the best place to be uh, for them is that they're willing to do something different as well. And, and at first, it just is like, okay, hey, you're not going to get X, Y, and Z, and if you leave, uh, you better call someone else. The only you know thing I'm willing to do is is, is you know be on the treatment team side. And, and what we started to use a few years ago that was very powerful uh, is uh, post-admission intervention, uh, which is uh, a technique that works very well. Um, generally, after 45 or 60 or 90 days or 30 days, people with chronic relapsers can really hold their breath, right? So we've been working with the family. We've been getting them on board, and they start to do the old same song and dance, right? And they start to think that they're a lot better than they are, or or they they just they start to get that shift in their in their mind that has caused them so much pain, uh, but all they see is the pleasure. We invite the families to come down and reconfirm what they set for boundaries at the beginning. So we work very closely with the families. The client walks in, there's their family there, and they just say, hey, uh, we told you at the beginning this was the boundaries, and we just want you to know uh, that that's still the same deal. Like, we're, we're not moving from that. And so that, that obviously helps uh, that client um, obviously stay in treatment and continue to have a shift. We don't see a shift in our clientele uh, generally around five to seven months is when that, because they got to take a breath at some point. Um, and, and so they, they're pretty good up until about 90 days to four months. They can, they can go through the motions and be the perfect patient. Um, but that's really where, you know, five to seven months is where that shift, we start to see that shift happen more and more. Mm-hmm. What do you have a family week there that the family comes and stays for a week? That's a great question. Uh, we it, we've got it. We've, we've really got a great family program. I know a lot of people have come down just to sit in our family program from other treatment centers and been in the field for a long time. We actually do a three day workshop. Uh, we do a lot of family sculpting, psychodynamic stuff, but it, we base the family program off the same premise, which is we have a lot of family members who have been to a lot of family programs. And so um, we, we definitely take uh, a different approach, again, a set-aside approach in, in our family program. But it's, it's done over three days, um, and it doesn't normally occur until, you know, that month seven, eight, nine, six, around that time is really when they're, they're uh, invited to come and participate in the family program. And it's small. That, that's the other beautiful thing. It, 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 there's only 10 or 12 people in there. We have two facilitators. We actually have Angie Booya uh, comes down, uh, and Heidi Boat-Smith uh, conducts the family, family program. Um, and they've been doing that together as a team for the past, uh, I think, five years. So, What's different, aside from the things you've said, what's different about your family program than uh, another uh, more a family program in a short term uh, center. Well, here's the the one thing that really differentiates us, and this is what we get back from feedback. Uh, and and I I believe again, you, you we've all got kind of caught up in our head what it's all going to look like. The one thing that is mainly different, it isn't all about the client. So it isn't all about. It's not like little Johnny sits in the circle and they do. You know, it, it's more like we're like, so where are you at? Like where, you know, where's the family at? What, what's going on with you? Like, and it's more along the lines of um, everybody's recovery than just, just the clients. And that's a huge difference that people get out and say, wow, this is more geared towards, uh, we don't make it that as much about the client uh, as we do about the families. And, uh, you know, at, at a certain degree at the beginning, uh, that's a very successful approach. It is a very successful approach in the sense of, you know, traditional treatment uh, is done. Uh, I talk a lot about the client. Uh, there's some family input and things like that, uh, and that's a very successful approach. But these families are families that have done that quite a bit. They're familiar with it, uh, and uh, they obviously are still involved to a, to a large degree. And, um, you know, and it's not just the families. We have a lot of friends and 
other loved ones that, that get involved as well. So it doesn't turn as much about the client as it is about about the individual and the family member themselves. Right. Uh, family members can be pretty resistant uh, to looking at themselves. What do you do to invite them to look at themselves? Well, there, there's, we really look at the, again, we do definitely look at roles uh, and we assign roles and things like that uh, and in which, you know, they function and that happens a lot. We've, we have, we have uh, suggested or invited people to go to inpatient uh, treatment before. I mean, not for drugs and alcohol. For all the other isms that go along with it, right? That okay, hold on, hold on to that thought. Hold on to that thought. It's time for our next break. We'll be back and we will talk about that. That's fascinating. So, listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back. Just what does that dream mean? Ever wake up from a crazy dream and wonder what it meant? Have you had a recurring dream all your life and you just can't get it to stop? Get all your questions about dreams and dream interpretation answered by the leading expert in the field. Unity Online Radio is home to America's leading dream expert, Dr. Michael Lennox. And on Mondays at 2 p.m. Central, the Dream Doctor is definitely in. Tune in to Dream Interpretation with Dr. Michael Lennox, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, An Upgrade for the 21st Century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is treating the whole person, breaking the relapse cycle. My guest is Michael Smith. Michael is the Director of Multimedia Marketing at Burning Tree Treatment Center, which is a long-term residential treatment program. And long-term means, um, you know, maybe up to nine months, whatever it takes um, to help somebody who's been chronically relapsing to keep their sobriety. And uh, Michael is in recovery himself. He's married. He's got a newborn who he's very proud of. And um, he's in this work as an addiction counselor because he's on uh, his personal journey and he's very interested in this special population. So, Michael, before the break, you were telling us about in the family program um, how you help families of people that are chronically relapsing because we know the families can get into a lot of despair. So you all do address that. And you were telling us some of the things that make uh, – your program different that really supports these families and that you might you said you might even suggest that they go to to a primary treatment what Mm -hmm. kind of primary treatment would a family member go to 
Well, there's there's a, a bunch of different places that do week-long workshops as well as inpatient or uh, residential. And it may be for a week, it may be 30 days, but it, it can be codependency treatment, it could be uh, trauma treatment, it could be... But generally, it's right around uh, in dealing with the, the families themselves. So that may occur before <laughs> they, go, they come to the family program, before even they admit. Uh, we've done that quite often and before we, we get a family on board because it, what's important when you're dealing with chronic relapses, yeah, that the, the, the client is, is clinically appropriate when they're spe- seeking that specialty you know, treatment, uh, but also is the, where's the family at? And so um, that may happen then, it may be happening during treatment or after, uh, but we do get, we get a lot of resistance, as you, as you could imagine, um, I don't think these people are chronic relapsers <laughs> get uh, sick in a, in a vacuum. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I don't think that's that's all uncommon. So uh, we most of the time what we run up against or we, what we get to see and work with is uh, one of the individuals, if you're dealing with, you know, normal kind of mom and dad family you know, systems, one of them is more on board than the other. Uh, and it doesn't, it's not really gender specific. It may be mom with son, it may be dad with daughter, it may be dad with son. And that causes a huge struggle in there. And so we really try to cut out some of that triangulation that goes on uh, before we, we've at, we're doing calls, ask them where they're at with their own recovery, what they're doing, what that looks like for them. And some of them aren't willing to do anything but write a check. And uh, it's just the way it is. Um, And some of them won't call or participate at all. Uh, They're that burnt. So uh, it is extremely an important piece, uh, the system itself, uh, to to at least have the opportunity to be treated uh, and, and get to get to be treated uh, along with the individual. So that integrated approach would be good. Right. What do you see uh, in cases where the family does choose to, to really make a shift? And it may not be everybody in the family, as you said. It may just be one or two or a few of them. But when they really make a shift into their own uh, sense of recovery and, and stopping enabling behaviors, what happens? Well, it's beautiful. Uh, it is unlike... When I got when I got to witness that um, for the very first uh, first time, because I, I worked for a program that that was an approach, and it's not an approach in a lot of ways. The only time it's ever sometimes it's ever an approach uh, is you know fiscally based. But to see a place that is more concerned with um, the family getting well than they are with anything else, it, it, it was just, it's just such a beautiful and powerful thing. It's almost or even sometimes even more powerful than the individual uh, getting well um, because it, 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 it's what they tell a lot of times what a family member initially would tell themselves, well, well I don't have the problem they do. Uh, and, uh, or it's it just a lot of, it, it just a lot of things caught up in everything, uh, hopes, dreams of, of that individual, what, what they want to look like, their relationship and everything like that. And when they're able to get healthy perspective in it, uh, and to kind of get out of the way in a lot of ways, uh, and they have a different outlook and their demeanor and everything about them, uh, is in recovery. Uh, it's, it's extremely powerful and it's a gift. Um, uh, and it is, uh, it is happening. I feel more and more as, as we go on as society of how important it is for not only the individual to be, to be treated, but also, you know, the, the family themselves to seek their own recovery. Right. Another issue that uh, you've brought up in our talk today, and I know it's a really important part of long-term treatment and relapse prevention is uh, dealing with dual uh, diagnosis or co-occurring disorders if a person has that. Tell us what that is and how y'all deal with it. That's a great question, and it's an important piece. Um, you know, dual diagnosis, uh, it's changed over the years. Dual diagnosis, then when I, when I was going to school, they made the change to co-occurring, and now it's coexisting. Uh, what it is, is is an addiction or substance abuse problem along with mental health. It may be anxiety, it may be depression, it may be a personality disorder, uh, and it may be a combination of all of them. Um, and so the, what happened um, is they did a lot of studies that showed those individuals uh, 
you know, even even back in the the '60s, for example, they used to treat addiction separate from alcoholism. If you're an alcoholic, you went to a different treatment program than you did addiction, especially in the state of New York. So, integrating that and bringing that together, they they saw that there was better um, stats, obviously, and they, and for a long, long time, you'd have someone just treating the mental health side of things and not addressing the addiction because they they're under the belief that if they treat the mental health, the addiction piece will, will straighten up or treating the addiction piece and the mental health will, will straighten out and really have an integrated approach to as well as plus one, so to speak, or two. Um, it could be, in the, you know, it could be things like trauma that they have to have to work out that causes them anxiety, uh, but all, also at the same time uh, looking at the substance and how that really relates to everything else. Right, and what when people get treated, in an, and I know y'all use an integrated approach, as as you said, you you know you work it all together with the mental health and the uh, the addiction. It what it makes a difference to people. How does it affect the relapse rate when people really get to do the mental health work or the get to heal the trauma if they've had trauma in their lives? Well, it's a huge piece. Uh, it, it would really be a huge piece because for so long. It, it's almost the same idea, and when you're talking about the general public, uh, they look at an individual that has alcoholism or has addiction, and they think that the substance itself is the problem. But I was taught this very early on, and it was like an epiphany for me, that if alcohol was the problem, you know, you wouldn't have alcoholism. And why do I say that? If alcohol was the problem, if alcohol problem is stopped by drinking. So you'd have places just for detox all over the place. You know, people would be detoxing and getting out and never drink again. You know, alcoholism is uh, a place in which, you know, you can't, sobriety is the problem. Really, where, where it boils down to is is that they make sober decisions to drink again. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Um, if you think about it, they never, the person that has, is alcoholic never picks up the first drink drunk. Um, they have to have a sober thought that goes along with that. Sober to what degree uh, is questionable, right? But they have an insane thought that gives way to the idea of drinking every time. Uh, that has to. It, it can't occur in any other way besides that that function. And so, um, you know, when you're treating when, when you're treating mental health along with with co-occurring, your your relapse rates obviously. Uh, get, get it tremendously uh, better because you're not looking at it as um, just treating you know, abstinence um, or you're you not know, just treating just getting me- taking medicine. You're looking at the the, the whole approach uh, and and along with the, you know talk therapy and more about when you're talking about chronic relapse, you're talking more about action and and when you talk about spirituality and spiritual. A lot of we, I tend to look at just the word spirit, but there's also another word in there, which is ritual. And so life skills and repetitiveness and consistency really gives way to when you have a spiritual ritual, you then become, have a spiritual experience. So, um, and that, that applies, I believe it applies to, to both, um, you know, the, the addiction side of things as well as, as the mental health side of things. Because it's not as easy as just taking a prescription pill. Uh, we see a lot of people do that, but there are other parts to that that go along with it. Right. It's like learning a whole new way of life, but one that's coming up from, from your spirituality, not just to paste it on maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're almost at the end of our time, but if, if you could just briefly tell us, uh, in addition to what you've said, what are some uh, things to remember about relapse prevention that anybody could use that would help them? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important piece because more and more you, you hear a lot about relapse prevention or people, and, and what I just described is, is almost that cycle of relapse when someone makes that sober decision. So what do they need? If someone's making those type of decisions and on the, the the outside, all of us look at that person and say, who's ever making decisions for that guy? It's really trying to hurt him, right? I mean, that's the way you look at when you look at a chronic relapse or someone going to relapse. It's like, really? 
you're going to tell yourself that story. Sometimes it's done with with uh, lots of plans. Sometimes it's it's just the idea, thought comes in the head. So when you're when talking about prevention of relapse, um, really, you know, getting into getting to a recovery program or process that's filled with honesty openness, you know, being willing to be vulnerable. I mean, taking risk. And I've, I, for a long time, when I was early in my own journey, I used to say, and it's very common, we talk about, you know, the, the mind and the, the mind going to the heart and things like that. And I've, as of late, I've, I've come to realize that recovery is in, 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 for people who need it or who want it. It's actually for people who do it. So my definition, when you're talking about relapse prevention, is is you know, it's not in the mind, the heart, it's in the feet. And so you see recovery in people's feet uh, and what they do that's in that spiritual ritual, right? Uh, being honest, being vulnerable, and willing to take risk. And it's not a comfortable thing to go through uh, and taking, an, you know, that self-examination and turning things over to, to God and being obedient. It, it, it's a really, it, if it was easy, they'd have 12-step meetings in, in stadiums, and they don't. So... Um, you know, it, it, it's about how much you, you know, you can go to the ocean with a thimble and you'll get a thimble full of water. How much do you, how much of it do you want? You know? Um, and, and so I keep it very simple, uh, is, is first, uh, find out what it is for you, what that looks like, uh, for your addiction or alcoholism, what that process looks like. And then, you know, be willing to be honest and, and again, give up that self-reliance to do it someone else's way. I think that's important is that, that decisions that are being made, uh, for the individual first be reliant okay. somewhere else. Uh, okay. first it's, Mike, it'd be a therapist okay. and then someone else. Michael, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Our time is up, but this is fabulous. Thank you so much. Uh, for being with us today. And uh, thank you for the work you're doing and for all that you've shared. Thank you for listening, all of you out there. And God bless you. And be back with us next week here on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Ever have those days when you think life isn't all that you thought it could be? Well, it's our thinking that creates the canvas of our life's masterpiece. When we are ready and willing to step into a new way of thinking, our world literally begins to shift and grow into something bigger and brighter than we ever imagined. Hi, I'm Jamie Sanders, host of Spirituality Today here on the Unity Online Radio Network. Be sure to join us every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern to hear in-depth conversations with leading teachers, authors, and musicians in the world of spirituality and new thought. Listen in and open up Spirituality Today, where life keeps getting better and better. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. 
This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive! Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Here on Unity FM, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you are seeking? Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, for The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together. 